good morning, Axis Church. How's everybody doing today? So glad you guys are here. You know, I hope you get by now that there's a lot of planning that goes into worship experiences here. And what I mean by that is that when we come up with an idea or a theme from the scripture, it sort of rides through the day. And, and obviously the, day, the theme today is lighting uh, the world, this dark world. You know, some strange things happen in the dark, right? And sometimes interesting things. You may have heard of the story about these three people who were traveling inside of a small cramped coach of a train. There was a lieutenant, a private, and a beautiful young lady. And during the trip, they passed through a mile-long tunnel where they were engulfed in darkness. Halfway through, there was the sound of a passionate kiss followed by a loud slap. And when they came to the end of the tunnel, the lieutenant was nursing a very swollen jaw. The young lady thought, that lieutenant must have tried to kiss me and accidentally kissed the private, so he slapped him. The lieutenant thought, that private must have kissed her in the darkness, and she tried to hit him, and instead hit me. And the private just leaned back with a smile on his face and thought to himself, where else but in America can a private kiss the back of his hand passionately, slug the lieutenant, and get away with it? And uh, that's what happened in the darkness. You know, sometimes strange things happen in darkness, and sometimes interesting things. When I was a child, we lived right next door to my mamaw and papaw. Now, in, we've been there many times since, but as a kid, it seemed like it was forever away. But today, uh, if you go back there, it's just literally across the yard. It's no big deal. But when I would walk across that yard after visiting with them, and uh, it happened all the time, back and forth, because they lived right there, I would walk back, and somewhere in the middle of the darkness, I would get this sensation like somebody I mean, something's about to go down. Some, something's going to get me. I'm just a little kid. The hairs on the back of your neck stand up, and you just all of a sudden bust out in a full-out sprint to get home because you have this feeling that something is about to happen in the darkness. Darkness does strange things to us, doesn't it? Sometimes it causes us to fear when there's nothing there. Sometimes it causes our mind to do funny things. Sometimes it causes our ears to pick on, on sounds that really don't even exist and And we hear things that that we normally wouldn't hear. Darkness causes you to believe that you're all alone. Several years ago in my junior high uh, class in uh, 1980, uh, we took a class trip to Mammoth Cave in Kentucky. And anybody ever been there? It's an educational trip. And in the middle of it, they they say, all right, you're in a place where when we shut off these lights, you're going to be in total darkness. He said, okay, well, I've never been in total darkness before. This will be interesting. And literally, when they turn off those lights, you cannot see the hand in front of you. It is a complete, utter darkness, one of the darkest places there on the face of the earth. And during that tour, you get a real sense about what darkness actually is. And you, it has all these strange feelings in the middle of that utter darkness. But one of the feelings that people get often is a lonely feeling, sometimes a frightening feeling, sometimes a... They feel uh, afraid. A lot of crimes are committed under the cover of darkness. I remember about the same time we did that Mammoth Cave trip, a a, a song came out. And uh, it was by the very popular group Houdini. And uh, the song was called The Freaks Come Out at Night. You guys remember that song back in 1984? Some of you guys are like, no, we don't know what that is. The song's all about how weird things happen in the darkness. There's just something about the darkness that is associated with bad behavior and evil deeds. Most crimes happen in the darkness. Perhaps that's why a lot of Jesus' teaching focused on darkness and light as well. 
One of Jesus' favorite sayings can be found in John 8, 12, among other places, where he said, I am the light of the world. The imagery there is so rich. Jesus, the light of the world into the darkness. And when he says, I'm the light of the world, he says, I'm going to differentiate myself from everything else. In the middle of this dark world, it is my power, my light, that will bring that kind of light to the world. Um, Now, you know there is this cosmic battle between darkness and light today. And against the powers of God and the powers of the evil one. And Scripture calls the, the, the power of God the power of light against the power of darkness. It's a metaphor that's often used. In John chapter 3, verse 19, he said, Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it, is, it may be seen plainly that what he has done, he has done through God. He calls darkness the, the deeds of evil. He calls light this kind of uh, this, this, this not only goodness, but also living in God's grace. And we see that all over the Scripture. But we also see darkness all over our world today. We see corruption in government at times. We see embezzlement. We see people hurting each other for selfish purposes. We see even, even those moments where darkness creeps into our own world, in our own life, in our own thought patterns, in our own sin habits. There's evil at work in this world, and it impacts every single person in this, uh, in this room. You know what it's like in your life, where that feeling of darkness kind of comes out, that power that pulls you toward anger or revenge or violence or self-centeredness. It can come up in a variety of ways in unexpected places. Now, yesterday, uh, Jason's having a baseball game, and the other team, while they were the best team we played all year, they had the absolute worst attitudes of any team that we had uh, all year, um, even, even, even worse than yours, Dave, and, and uh, your team, you know what I'm saying. And uh, anyway, so uh, we had this team, man, and they just, uh, I mean, the, the pitcher was just had the worst attitude. He was such a crybaby, and I'm going to say everything today that I wanted to say yesterday. And uh, anyway, so, and then the dad, who's the coach, he's just as big of a crybaby as him. And I had it took everything with me because the whole team is whining and belly aching, and they end up winning the game anyway. And, and uh, but on the line, I just wanted to just grab that dad's hand and go, "Well, hey, you know what? There's no wonder your kid has such a bad attitude because you have the worst attitude I've ever seen out here on the baseball field." It took everything in me to not say that, you know. And um, but I was like, "Oh God, give give me patience, you know." And um, we don't want to have a throw down here in the middle of the baseball field. But anyway, so this is this is kind of those moments. And it happens in simple ways, in daily ways, in easy ways, and sometimes you don't expect it. But Jesus said, I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. Jesus had a lot to say about light and darkness. So did the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, Paul says, what fellowship can light have with darkness? In Romans chapter 13, he says, he encourages people to put aside the deeds of darkness, put on the armor of light. In Colossians chapter 1, he said, God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. The Bible is full of that imagery. And that brings us to Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, which is our text for today. And Paul gives us this other instruction, and he says a very, this very vivid picture And he wants us to get it. And he says, do everything without complaining and arguing 
so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. That's the darkness. In which you shine like stars in the universe. And that's our memory verse. Shine like stars in the universe. Crooked and depraved generation. That's darkness. Shine like stars in the universe. That's light. And in this section, just prior to this, the Apostle Paul dreams of the day when everybody on planet Earth would one day come before the Lord when he returns and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to to the glory of God the Father. And he says, I can just imagine that day when everybody is going to have to fall and kneel before God and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. And people, those who have followed Christ, will be in this eternal light in heaven forever. Sins are forgiven. New life. He dreams of all of that. Paul says, I dream of that day. But then he says, if that's ever going to become a reality, if we're ever going to see that day, and we will, he said, I want to talk to you as people of the children of light, how you can live in that kind of light. And that's what I want to talk about today. How do we, as people of God, live as children of light? And here's the first one. Every single person in here, if you want to follow the light, if you want to stay in the light of Christ, if you want to not kind of creep back into those habits of darkness, you need lasting friendships. Verse 12 of chapter 2, Paul just starts out with this phrase. He addresses these individuals in Philippians as my dear friends to remind them that what's one of the most important things is that relationships really matter. They really do. And that is especially true when it comes to this idea of light and darkness. One of the things that keeps us in the light is when we have other people around us encouraging us to stay in the light. People want to, we want to know that there is something different about the church. People will ask, what's different about you all? Well, one of the things that's different is how we treat one another. And what's different than the darkness is that our relationships are real and that they matter. And so we should be asking ourselves, are our relationships loving? Are they genuine? Are they authentic? And so he just takes this theme all through Philippians. Relationships matter. In chapter 1, verse 9, he said, let your love abound more and more. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 2, he said, be like-minded, have the same love. In this passage, he says, do nothing with complaining and arguing. So he understands the negative aspect of strained relationships for those who are actually called to live as people of light. So it begins with these words, my dear friends. And in verse 14, he says, Friends, I want you to do everything without complaining or arguing. In other words, if you're going to shine like stars in the universe, one of the places to really look at is how do you relate to other people? Are you building them up? Are you tearing them down? Are you pointing out their weaknesses? Or are you seeking to encourage their strengths? Are you better and helping other people be better? Or are you bringing those people down? I read about this one couple, cute little couple. They came running into the dentist's office, and the husband said, I need a tooth pulled, and I'm in a terrible hurry, and I don't have time for anesthesia or Novocaine. Just pull the thing out. The dentist said, I have never seen such bravery in all of my life. Which tooth is it? The man looked at his little wife and said, baby, show him your tooth. Show him your tooth. It's really easy, isn't it, to point out the problems in other people and forget the problems in our own life. It's really easy to look to somebody else And uh, it's very challenging to point out the cavities in our own world. But Paul says that it is critically important when it comes to this issue of being shining lights in the universe that we would be people who would look 
inward and be able to say, God, what can I do? What do I need to change? But also look outward in terms of how can we encourage other people along the journey of the Christian life. He doesn't suggest there won't be disagreements. He doesn't suggest there won't be relational tension. He simply suggests that if you're going to live in the light, you must live in relationship with one another and understanding that that's one of the critical values of the Christian life. That's, that's true with your friends, it's true with your church friends, and it's true at home. One of the most challenging places to show the kind of love of Christ is at our home. Richard Foster once wrote of a father walking through the mall with his two-year-old son. The child was cranky, kept whining and wiggling and complaining. The father struggled to remain patient. Usually stories like that don't have happy endings. In fact, in another story that he tells, a father with an out-of-control two-year-old is walking through a grocery store, and, and the father's repeating this phrase over and over in his mind. It's okay, Danny. You can do this, Danny. We're almost done, Danny. Somebody asked him, oh, is that your son, Danny? Is he having a bad day? He said, no, my son's name is Nathan. My name is Danny. I'm just trying to give myself a little self-speak. But Richard Foster tells about this son and this father. And this father adopts a different strategy. His two-year-old son is uh, having a challenge as well. And he scoops up his little two-year-old grumbler, holds him tight to his chest, and begins to sing an impromptu love song. None of the words rhymed. He sang it off-key, but he did the best he could. He just started singing, I love you. I'm so glad you're my boy. You make me laugh. From store to store, the father was just singing this song. I love you. Uh, you make me laugh. I'm so glad you're my boy. And suddenly the son, the son started relaxing. He was captivated by this strange and interesting song. And finally when they finished, the dad went to the car, buckled his son in the car seat, and his son raised his arms and lifted up his head. He said, sing it to me again, Daddy. Sing that song again to me again. No matter how challenging the situation that you were in, no matter what you're facing, no matter whether it's a two-year-old cranky child or whether it's a marital challenge or whether it is a struggle between relationships, no matter how difficult it is, the Bible calls us to a different strategy than the darkness of this world. The Bible calls us to not hold grudges, to not lack forgiveness. The Bible calls us to be quick to forgive, slow to anger, quick to have patience, Paul says, I'll give you the best way. You want to have a shining strategy? You want to live a shining life? Let your love so shine among men that when they see your good deeds, they will glorify your Father in heaven. That's not from the darkness. That's from the light. So let me ask you. Here's a probing question. Are you utilizing the shine like stars in the universe strategy when it comes to your relationship? I mean, how bright is your light when it comes to your relationships? Are you like a 25-watt ball, barely burning? You're getting to be like a 40-watt bulb, and this is not bad. Or, man, you're a 100-watt bulb, and you're shining all the time. Remember, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And that that city on a hill cannot be hidden. That light cannot be hidden. So you keep it shining. How do you do that? Starts with your friendships. Here's another thing. In verse 12, he talks about an ongoing obedience. Listen, he says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining and arguing, 
so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. The text says they obeyed always, now, before, and now in his absence. Paul is saying that the Philippian church was an obedient church. He said you need to work out your salvation. Now, he didn't say you have to work for your salvation. Just to clarify, we don't work to be saved. We don't work to be in relationship with God. He's simply saying, now that you have been saved, man, you need to stay at work in it. Continue to obey God. He's talking to people who already believe, and he says, you want to become all Christ wants you to be? You need to have this kind of shining light relationships, but you also need to be, when it comes to the scripture and God's communication with you, obedient to the word of God. Warren Worsby writes, the verb translated work out your salvation carries the meaning of working to full completion. In Paul's day, where it was like working for a mine or working in a field, and that you would work throughout the day to work to finish your job that day and go on the next day and continue so that you could get the greatest harvest or the greatest reward possible. And Paul is emphasizing here that we, in order to become more and more like Christ, you need to be working at that every day so that you become blameless and pure in a crooked and depraved generation. In a dark world, the difference is you are working out that salvation, you are obeying Christ, and there is something different about your life. Let me put it this way. If you were to track the trajectory of your Christian walk, if it starts, let's say, down here, you, you should have a steady increase in your Christian walk in terms of how you relate to people, in terms of your obedience to Christ, in terms of your growth, in terms of how you, how you enjoy Him and your relationship with Him. Now, if you were to put it on kind of a dot graph, you'd see dots all up and down. But if you're going to put it on a line graph, you would see that it's a general upward trend in your relationship with God. Some of your graphs, you started out on a high point, you felt like, man, God and I, we are together. And it, you had a real emotional beginning. But then it wasn't very long before you started to kind of dip. And I've seen this happen before with those who have had real emotional beginning points with Christ. That suddenly over time they let that wane. And rather than obeying Christ, they find themselves falling back into the deeds of darkness. And finding their relationship with God far, far off from where it originally was. So I'm challenging all of us that when it comes to your relationship with God, there should be this illuminating power in Christ in your life, this growing power where you look back and you say, man, I don't lie as often as I used to. I don't exaggerate as often as I used to. The light is gaining steam in me. I, 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 I'm now finding myself that I'm loving more people. I judge others less harshly. I boast less. I, I get wasted less. I abuse my body less. Whatever it is, you look back and go, man, I, I'm getting better. You sin less. Eventually, the point where you go back and go, man, I'm, I'm finding myself conquering things. Friends, if it's true of you that you are growing, that's where you need to be. If you're a Christ follower, the power of his light in your life should be this dispelling the darkness in your life. The more light there is, the less darkness there should be. It should be a growing trend in your life. So how many of, I, of you, if I ask you right now, do a little darkness check in your life, is the power of evil about as strong as in you as it's always been? 
Is your temper just about as hard to control as it's ever been? Does your greed factor have about the same grip on you as it always has had? Pride, self-centeredness, or do you feel like I'm making progress on these issues? I mean, I look back over my life and say, God, I've grown in that. I'm, I'm less temperamental. I'm more patient. I'm, I'm, I'm more able to deal with challenges. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I need a little more of that, by the way. It's just good, you know. Those of you who are over three, you can talk back too. It's cool. It's cool. Now listen, if it's true that the darkness in your life has remained constant or has even grown, you need to do a serious check right now, okay? No matter what you claim, no matter how often you come to the church, no matter how big a Bible you carry, the Bible says if you claim to know God and you continue to walk in darkness, the power of Christ, the power of the light of Christ is not at work in you. And that is a sobering thought. And that's not my words, that's the words of Scripture. So you need to take a serious evaluation. But here's the good news is 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive you from all unrighteousness or will forgive you from the power of that darkness in your life or the inability to overcome it. You cannot overcome it by your own strength. But God is faithful and just. He will forgive you. He is able to break the power of that darkness in our life. He can't. He will. He wants to. But you have to continue to do those right habits so that you grow more and more in the light. And Paul is just saying, man, I dream of the day when everybody on planet Earth, every living man, woman, and child will know the love of God through Christ. And uh, how are we going to get that done? You've got to really focus on those relationships, and you've got to really focus on obedience to Christ. And Paul says you need to refrain from complaining and arguing as you live those pure and blameless lives. You begin to shine like stars in the universe. Your life will be shining brightly in all this dark world if you focus more on Him, obey more, complain less, and, uh, and people are going to start noticing. What is it about this person? They can say, man, something's different about you. I mean, I didn't like that way that coach was like either, but you handled it so positively. Why? There should be an ever-growing light. And, and you want it to be really bright? Um, don't be complaining and arguing. Serve. Love others. Be joyful in the midst of a cynical world. And people, when see, they see that, that strength in the middle of that difficulty, it's impressive. And Paul says, you want your life to shine? Let your commitments to keep grow. Keep obeying. Keep telling the truth. Let your work ethic keep growing. Let your vocabulary continue to be pure. What about your sexual life and your purity, your willingness to serve others? Let that light shine. That's the stuff that will really awaken people to be able to see the difference between you and the darkness. And one other thing that Paul says in this passage, he says, if you want to shine like stars in the universe, you have got to stay focused on the ultimate goal and on changing purpose. Verse 13 says, for it is God who works to, to will and to act according to his good purpose as you hold out the word of life. Friends, make no mistake, God's purpose for this church has been and always will be, and churches all around the world, that you and me individually, that we would shine like stars in the universe, and we would help other people shine like stars in the universe as well. 
that our mission is that we would hold out the word of life to people so much so that people would want to be in a relationship with Christ. They'd want heaven when they die. They'd want forgiveness of their sins here on this earth. And they want to continue to build a relationship with Christ from now and forevermore. Our mission is never to be inward focused. It's to be relentlessly and consistently reaching out with the saving gospel message of the light of Christ. That's the message. And that has not changed for 2,000 plus years of the church. It's the same one. The question is, is your life demonstrating a consistency that's demonstrating the light of Christ day in and day out? Are you surviving or are you thriving? It's the same mission that leads us every day so that we can make more disciples. George Gallup has discovered that only 40% of the population even consistently or meaningfully today, are connected to a church. Only 40%. Now, out of that 40%, there's also a wavering in terms of how many are there on a regular basis. But friends, what this means is we are literally surrounded by opportunity. We're literally surrounded by the darkness. All around us are people who may be very good people, that even though it looks like they have everything in this world, everything it could offer, they are empty at times inside. Because they don't have that missing piece of Christ in their life. There is something missing there. It's, it's that, what, it, what is it? It's that, that, that God has, wants to do something in them. God wants to forgive them. God wants to give them hope. God wants to give them heaven. I mean, we are told all the time that we are insufficient on our own. And we are. I heard of two cows that were grazing in a pasture. And they saw a milk truck pass by. And on the side it said, pasteurized homogenized, standardized, vitamin A added on one cow's side and looked at the other cow and said, man, it makes me feel pretty inadequate, doesn't it? And there are so many people who have that feeling that maybe there's something inside of them that is insignificant, that's just worthless. What what is it? There's something that's not there. And I believe that what's not there in many cases is that Christ is not in their life. And, and I think that's the thing that makes most sense in terms of where we're going in our life. It's the thing that gives us the most fulfillment in our life. It's the thing that drives our relationships is do we have the light of Christ in our life? And so we as a church have to take time to evaluate how are we doing on this issue of giving, keeping the main thing the main thing. Helping people who feel insignificant and worthless at times, who may live in the darkness. How do we give them the word of life and the hope of eternal life? All around us are people who, who need that kind of relationship. And friends, there is no higher calling in this world than to be a Christian and no greater privilege than to be part of the church of Jesus Christ. Don't you think everybody deserves the opportunity to be in heaven? Don't you think everybody deserves the opportunity to be in relationship with Jesus? And friends, you should know that this shining strategy never fails. Over time, when you have that shining strategy in relationships, when you have that kind of attitude, that kind of obedience, many, many times I have seen this happen where the defensiveness of the harshest critic or the harshest cynic suddenly begins to wane. And that shining strategy wears down the most stubborn of resistant hearts over time because if you have that attitude where you refuse to complain or argue, you're obedient to Christ you're faithful to Him, you're loving in your relationships, and you're holding out the word of life to people, man, there's just something so captivating about that. Something so captivating because when the light shines, there's something about the darkness that is attracted to the light. 
So, live in relationship. Obey consistently. Remember the purpose. Remember why we do what we do. Because the world so desperately needs the message of light. So here's a tough question I want to ask you. And um, I just want to kind of serve it up to you. Those of you who are already cross Christ followers, what kind of what's your wattage right now in terms of shining? Letting the illuminating power of Christ shine through your life. Kind of what's your wattage? Say, man, I am burning brightly. It's consistent. It's not flickering. It's not wavering. It's there. What is it? Would you say, I feel like I'm doing pretty good on that? Or would you say, you know what? I've kind of gotten dimmer over the years. I I feel like in my relationships, it's not as consistent. I feel like my life is not shining as brightly. Or I feel like maybe at home I'm doing fine, but man, at the workplace, I'm, I'm dim as I could be there. Or maybe at home you feel like I'm dim, but man, I put on a totally different face somewhere else. Through Christ, would you say, am I growing in this or is it waning? Would any of you say, you know what, by God's grace alone, I think I'm like a 100-watt bulb. I get up every day and I pray, God, help me shine today as brightly as possible through my love, my integrity, my servanthood, my compassion. Help me shine today. Help me shine like that star in the universe so other people will know and they'll wonder, what is it about that light? Why is it so bright? So just evaluate right now. I'm going to pray for you in just a second. We're actually going to lead into a little time of communion. I'm going to do it a little bit differently. Okay? I remember as a kid, we used to sing a song like this. It goes, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. You guys remember that song? Don't let Satan get out. I'm going to let it shine. I thought what I would do as we lead to communion would be a little bit different. I'm just going to start singing that song. Okay? If you want to sing it with me, you just sing it with me. We're just going to sing that little, that, little, that little phrase a few times here. We're going to lead right to communion. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Don't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. One more time. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. God, I pray that uh, that imagery will dominate our thinking this week, that we'll think in terms of how do we uh, create light in the midst of the darkness. The truth is, the Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world. We We are huge reflectors of that light. We are ambassadors of that light. That light doesn't come from us, it comes from you. We simply reflect that light to the world. That's why he could say, I'm the light of the world. Then he could switch the analogy and say, you now are the light of the world. You are reflecting my light. Don't we want to make Jesus look good in this culture? Don't we want to make Jesus look bright in this dark world? We don't want to be dull. We want to be good reflectors of what Christ has done. God, help us today to be reflectors of your light in our relationships with others, relationships with our family. God, help us to be reflectors of your light in terms of our obedience to you, our character, our decisions, our integrity. 
our, our ability to bring positive into relationships, not complaining, not arguing. And our ability to remember that the unchanging purpose of the church and our lives as individual Christians is to share that light with as many people as possible before we die. God, help us not get to heaven and look around and go, man, where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? You've got an opportunity to share the light of hope with them. But for whatever reason, because of a busy schedule or whatever else, you chose to not do it. And God, these are real real situations. And so God, help us to be people who would reflect your light to the world, that that, that that light would not be put under a bowl to be hidden, but instead it would be reflecting to others that they would see that light, that it would make a difference. So God, I just pray as a church to be able to shine like stars in the universe as we hold out the word of life to people. And God, in these moments of communion, help us to reflect on, is there any area of darkness in our life any area where we've allowed the darkness to creep back in, any area where maybe something has kind of slipped in there and it's an attitude, it's a habit, it's a, it's a perception, it's a belief about something or someone, it's a lack of forgiveness. God, if there's some area of darkness that's slipped in there, God, I just pray that we would reflect more in these moments on you, that we would think more about Christ, spend more time with your Son. The more that we spend with you, more, God, we're going to be able to reflect that light. God, we pray in these moments we remember what Christ has done for us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.